This podcast is for investment professionals only. It is not for distribution to retail investors. This material has been provided for information and educational purposes only. It is not an offer or solicitation to buy securities. The information provided and the views expressed in this podcast could change and are not necessarily the views of Premier Mighton. Reference to any stock, fund or investment should not be considered advice or an investment recommendation. Any reference to past performance is not a guide to future returns and the value of investments can fall as well as rise. You are listening to the Bright Thinking series from Premier Mighton, a regular podcast on investment views from Premier Mighton's fund management team. I'm Imogen Harris, Assistant Fund Manager on the Premier Mighton Global Smaller Companies Fund. And in this podcast, I explain why China may see optimistic progress, but not without potential pitfalls. As we come into the start of the Year of the Rabbit, a folk tale told often is the story of how the animals within the Chinese zodiac were ordered. And while there are many versions, one version goes that the Jade Emperor organised a race across a river, a race that would decide which animals would have a year named after them and thereby be forever immortalised on the Chinese zodiac. Now, the rabbit started by hopping over the riverbank, but when it tried to leap from stone to stone across the river, it slipped and it fell in the water. And luckily, a log floated by. The rabbit managed to grab on and floated down the river to finish in fourth. It's also said that the dragon, who came in fifth, gave the rabbit a helping hand by blowing the log across the river. Now, could the economic story of China's Year of the Rabbit be a reflection of this story? A combination of an optimistic start, a more precarious progression, with some good fortune along the way. Firstly, let's look at the optimistic start the end of the zero-COVID policy and a wall of pent-up demand. After it seemed like China's zero-COVID stance was here to stay, following the 20th Party Congress in October, the policy was unexpectedly dismantled towards the end of the year. And starting with domestic restrictions being relaxed in November, it was announced that international quarantine rules would be removed from January 8, 2023. Markets rallied on the news of the policy change, with the MSCI China Index and the Shanghai Composite Index appreciating. And it's easy to see why the anticipation of a country of 1.4 billion people going back to pre-COVID levels of spending and manufacturing moved markets to this extent. Economic data also looks promising. The Purchasing Managers Index, which is a good indication of economic activity, registered 54.2 in February well in the expansionary zone. The Purchasing Managers Index is a survey-based indicator of business conditions, which measures economic expectations. And a score of more than 50 indicates an expansion of the manufacturing sector, and a score of less than 50 indicates a contraction. So next, this is positive progress, but we need to watch out for slippery rocks in the river. A recovery certainly gives a tailwind to the Chinese economy amid the background of a potential economic global recession. But what could these slippery rocks manifest as? Now, estimates suggest that Chinese consumers built up 2.6 trillion US dollars of excess savings during the zero COVID policy. And in the US and Western Europe, we saw a surge of revenge spending in the initial phase of economic reopening and increased consumption led to high corporate earnings, especially in the consumer experience industries like restaurants and travel. Now, indeed, Trip.com, the biggest Chinese online travel agency, has appreciated 60% from the end of October to the end of February as an example. But the hazards surrounding this first stepping stone, 
is that spending patterns across China may not mirror the trajectory of US and Western Europe. Chinese New Year is accompanied by what is called the biggest human annual migration, where families travel across China to reunite for celebrations. And the last year this occurred was the year of the pig in 2019. The end of zero COVID policy and higher domestic movements has naturally increased infection rates. And anecdotally, young people have held COVID parties where they can catch and recover from COVID in time for returning to see their elderly relatives for Chinese New Year. And this has had a lessening impact on consumption. In other words, you can't spend in the shops if you're at home recovering from COVID. The other key difference in the recovery trajectory may be in how these savings are viewed. Now, unlike the US and in the UK, where the populace received more direct support from the government in the form of stimulus checks and income from the furlough scheme, China had no comparable national helicopter money payment. Now, even the terminology reveals the difference. In the US, household payouts were termed stimulus checks which implies that the purpose of the cash was to stimulate the economy, i.e. to be spent. And if savings are harder earned, as they arguably were in China, it is likely that they will also be harder spent. The second slippery rock is inflation. A closer look at recent global inflationary pressures shows a more mixed picture than what might be first perceived. 2022 brought record high levels of inflation across the US and Western Europe, with the US Consumer Price Index hitting a 40-year high of 9.1% in June. However, China may not be on the same post-COVID inflationary path. And in 2023, the year of the reopening, China will not have to cope with certain components of the inflationary pressures that face the US and Western Europe in 2022. First, the spikes in oil and natural gas prices seen in the first half of 2022 will most likely not be repeated to such an extent, as the oil price spike was primarily caused by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Secondly, the supply chain disruption that originated in 2021 has been and will most likely continue to diminish. And domestic manufacturing will no longer be disrupted by COVID-related shutdowns and international shipping rates have nearly reverted to pre-COVID levels. In addition, the weakening dollar may have a deflationary impact as exporting economies like China import deflation when their own currencies appreciate. Now, despite this, a complacent view on inflation may slip investors up. Inflation was initially labelled as transitionary in the US until it swiftly wasn't, and the Federal Reserve has hiked rates accordingly to combat inflation. Moreover, the expectation of a global recession has deflated the price of certain raw materials. And as an illustration, the oil price tends to be a good indicator of the market expectations of a global recession. And as the end of February, the oil price was 77.05 US dollars a barrel, about 36% lower than the peak in June 2022. The counterpoint may be that if Chinese demand re-enters the ring and the global recession is shallower than previously thought, we may see that dial on inflationary pressure start to creep back up, which means the Federal Reserve may have to keep rates higher for longer. Finally, a bit of luck. Even mild improvements or declines in consumer sentiment could have a powerful multiplier effect. 
with a rising middle class, good educational standards, and a recent track record in entrepreneurialism, China looks like an encouraging investment prospect over the long term. However, over the next year, China may need a bit of luck for a stable recovery to emerge. Now, as a manager of a global fund, we need to think just so. Often, the companies that we own have global revenue sources. So even if a company is not listed or based in China, it may have a high exposure to China via their revenue or manufacturing base. China's reopening certainly represents a potential growth opportunity. It's an opportunity for China itself via its domestic market, but also it's an opportunity for any trade partner countries with a positive impact on cross-border economic activity. And we believe that a global fund is often a good way to take advantage of a shift in investment potential across the world. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this episode interesting. Look out for other episodes in the Bright Thinking series. This podcast is for investment professionals only and is issued by Premier Might and Investors, which is the marketing name for Premier Portfolio Managers Limited and Premier Fund Managers Limited, which are authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. The value of investments can fall as well as rise. Thank you.